Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. If you're like most people, you've probably come to the same conclusion that you'll hear Pastor J.D. share today. There's literally no one and nothing we can trust besides the Lord Jesus Christ and His written word. News sources, politicians, the medical industry, they all have agendas. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on March 28, 2021. For today's update, I want to do something just a little bit differently than what we usually do and share with you what the Lord's been doing in my heart over this last year, specifically as it relates to the problem of not knowing who or what to believe with all the differing opinions on both sides of the issues. In order to do that, I'm going to take and tackle another idiom this week, like last week. This week it's the idiom, well-known idiom, of sitting on the fence. And it describes this neutrality, lack of decisiveness, this wavering between differing opinions. While I realize that the differing opinions on this issue is not a salvation issue, I would argue that it is the most important issue facing every single one of us today. Now, please know that I don't pretend to know why others have taken the position that they have. Rather, I seek only to simply and humbly share with you why it is that I have not wavered on this issue over the past year. And I'm hoping that what I share will be an encouragement and a help, especially for those that have witnessed much in the way of division and confusion, especially concerning this issue. If you'll kindly allow me to, I'll begin by sharing with you four lessons the Lord has been teaching me. And this is really what I'm learning in my own journey through all of this. And then after that, I want to expound on them from God's Word. 
The first is that the Lord has been teaching me to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, even if I don't want to hear it, let alone teach it. If you only knew how many times I'm like, Lord, no way. (laughs) To which he responds, way. (laughs) No, Lord, this is really heavy. I don't want to hear it, let alone talk about it. The second thing the Lord has been teaching me, and this is really important, is that believing is seeing, and as such walking by faith, whereas seeing is believing, and as such walking by sight. Did you catch that? You know, we have that saying, it is a secular saying, I'm assuming, seeing is believing, right? Wrong. Uh, We'll talk about this more in a moment, but it's the opposite. It's not seeing is believing, it's believing is seeing. The righteous shall live by faith. The third thing, and this might come as a surprise, (laughs) but the third thing the Lord has been teaching me is that Bible prophecy is true. Shocker, right? He's been teaching me Bible prophecy. Wait a minute, Pastor, you're teaching Bible prophecy. Yeah, but the Lord's teaching me Bible prophecy. How about that? And in teaching me Bible prophecy, He's also teaching me that according to Bible prophecy, this is how it ends. And life in this world will never, ever return to normal, according to Bible prophecy. Fourth, the Lord has been teaching me to lose my life in this world and not hold on to any hope for this world. That's been and still is a process, and I'll talk more about that as well in a moment. Again, let me hasten to say that I am in no way speaking of those with differing opinions. Rather, I'm speaking of that which the Lord is still teaching me through all of this. Also, please know that I've got a long way to go. It's a daily fight of faith. Denying myself, picking up my cross, and following Jesus as a disciple of Jesus. It's daily. Daily. You know the thing about daily? (laughs) I know this is deeply profound. It's every day. (laughs) daily. So if you would please let me expound on this from the Word of God. I'll start with one of the most powerful lessons God has been teaching me over the years, 
and it's with the life of Elijah, especially during those times of profound discouragement and even despair. Wow, pastor, you get discouraged? Really? (laughs) If you only knew. But God has used Elijah in my life during those times. Actually, that's another topic for another time. It's recorded in 1 Kings 19. However, I would like to look at what happened prior in 1 Kings 18. Here's a quick backstory of what goes down, or perhaps better said, what Elijah calls down. At this time, God's people were wavering back and forth between the false god of Baal and the true and living God of Israel. So in order to get God's people off the fence, if you will, God has Elijah set up this contest to settle the matter. And here's what's interesting. The worshipers of Baal believed that this false god, Baal, was the god of storms, who had power over lightning, wind, weather, and rain. And this is very important because even more interesting is that at this time they were in the midst of a severe famine. But God is going to bring rain after this contest, because apparently their rain God can't give them rain, because He's no God at all. But apparently you don't know that, so I need to let you know that, and I'm going to do it in a very dramatic way. I tell you, I love this account. It's one of my favorites, along with all the favorites. But in 1 Kings 18.21, on the day of the contest, when all the people are assembled, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. They remained silent. Game on. It's, this is why I know God has a sense of humor. So Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, you guys go ahead, you go first. Let's get the sacrifice, let's prepare the altar. Let's put some water on it. I know water's rare right now with the famine, but let's pour some water on the thing. And you call on your fire God, Baal. I'm sure he said it just like that too. And so they start praying to Baal. No answer. And then Elijah, this is what I love about Elijah. I can't wait to meet him in heaven. He starts having some fun with it. Why not? Because he knows it's a false God, and he knows the true and living God. 
So he said, you know, maybe he can't hear you. So why don't you yell louder so he can hear you? So that's what they do. (laughs) They start yelling and screaming and shouting. Still no answer. So Elijah says, oh, this this is getting better. (laughs) So he, he then starts telling them, well, and this is in the original language, by the way. You can check me on this if you want. Maybe he's relieving himself. No, translated, he must be in the bathroom. He can't hear you right now. He's busy. (laughs) So they start cutting themselves, as was the custom. Very interesting. Still nothing. Well, this goes on, and finally Elijah's like, you know what? Enough already. Get out of my way. And oh, by the way, pour some more water on this thing. No, that's not enough. Pour some more. More? Yeah. That's not enough. Pour some more. I mean, this thing is just drenched in water. He says one time, calls upon the true and living God, and fire comes down. And I love it in the original because it, it's not a phrase we would use much in our vernacular, but it kind of has this idea of not only did the fire consume the entire sacrifice, it consumed the altar, and licked up all the water. Mm. I mean, it consumed everything. Oh, he's an all-consuming fire. So in verse 38, (laughs) when the fire comes down and consumes the sacrifice, oh, I guess that settles it, doesn't it? In verse 39, we're told that after this, when they saw this, the people saw this and fell prostrate, crying, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Oh, sure, you weren't saying that a few hours ago. Now, why do I start with this account? Because, hear me out, please. I am personally of the belief that the God Baal is alive and well today. Oh, he's not known necessarily by that name. The names have been changed to protect the guilty. It's not the God of Baal like it was then today. It's the God of science, the false God of science. And here's the thing. We're told that we need to have ears to hear and listen to the science. No thank you. I have ears to hear and will listen to the God of science. This actually dovetails into the second one, having to do with believing is seeing. Replete throughout Scripture, we see this truth demonstrated and To me, one of the best examples is found in the book of Exodus. You know it well. The Israelites have just been delivered out of slavery in Egypt, a type of the world, by the way, hang on to that. And now they find themselves at the Red Sea, but the problem is, it's the Red Sea. And if that weren't bad enough, the Egyptians are 
hot on their tail, only being kept at bay by this pillar of fire that God has put up to keep them away. And not only do they begin complaining, they actually accuse God of bringing them there to kill them. And they say this more than once, were there not enough graves in Egypt? You had to bring us out here to kill us? So what does God do? He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God, slow to anger, long-suffering. So he parts the Red Sea, and they cross on dry ground. And after they're on the other side, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Miriam leads them in worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for drowning the Egyptians, because we're told that that's actually what happens, because then the fire is removed, and they pursue them. And we're told in Exodus 14, verses 30 and 31, So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed. Seeing is believing. Wait, so how many days was it, maybe even hours, was it after that tenth, tenth plague that they saw? That's a miracle. Ten of them. They they, they saw that too. And they believed. And now, and, and they get to the Red Sea. Don't know how many hours or days it was after the Exodus when they fled in a hurry, by the way. And they get to the Red Sea. And then God does another miracle. Well, it seems like the previous ten miracles weren't enough for their seeing is believing didn't last very long. Well, it's not going to last very long now either. Like with Elijah, it's after they see that they believe. But the problem is, seeing is believing, walking by sight, and it doesn't get you very far. In fact, it's only you get them three days. (laughs) Exodus 15, verses 22 through 26. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Three days. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. That's what it means. And the people complained against Moses. 72 hours after this. And by the way, this actually happened. Can you imagine? Here you are, you got the Egyptians behind you, and the Red Sea in front of you. It's kind of like, this is how it ends. What are we going to do? 
And then God parts the Red Sea. The ground is dry. That's pretty clear now. I think we'll go this way. That's what I like to call Red Sea Clear. When I pray, I I pray, Lord, (laughs) make it so clear, Red Sea Clear, that a fool could not err thereof. Could you imagine the Israelites going, I'm not sure if this is the way we should go. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. You stay behind. We go. (laughs) Right? I know that's a silly way to make the point, but you get the point, right? The clarity. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than that. There's no wavering back and forth. Let's see. Uh, Should I go this way? (laughs) Again, you'll forgive the silliness with which I illustrate that. And so three days go by, and they come to this water, and they can't drink it, and it's kind of like, what are we going to drink? Wait, are you kidding me? Three days ago, you, were, you thought you were going to die, and God parted the Red Sea, and you walked on dry ground and killed the Egyptians, and, and you're worried that God isn't going to give you water to drink? So Moses, this is early on, I mean it gets very interesting later on. There's one uh, conversation between God and Moses where they like completely disown the, the people of Israel, the children of Israel. Moses is, gonna, is like, what are you going to do with your people? God's like, my, no, my people? What are you going to do with your people, Moses? They're <laughs> not taking ownership of them. It gets so bad. Anyway, that's a, I didn't mean to take it that far. I love God's Word. So Moses cries out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Picture the cross. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Picture of the finished work on the cross. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them and said, listen to this, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, don't listen to those other voices. Heed the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in His sight. Give ear to His commandments, and keep all His statutes. Listen, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought, I have brought on the Egyptians, the world, type of the world. For I am the Lord who heals you. Here's another example in the book of Numbers, chapter 21, beginning in verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way, and the people spoke out against God and against Moses. Now, you'll forgive me, it's not in the text, but I want to add the word again just for emphasis. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Oh, you don't like my manna? Hmm. Jesus is returning. This fact is one we can get excited about despite any circumstances we find ourselves in. Jesus will return one day to rid this earth of every evil thing that's destroying it. 
He'll once and for all take down the enemy and establish his kingdom in our midst. How soon will this amazing event occur? The Bible tells us that no one knows the exact date, but it does give us clues about events that will take place as it nears. This is why Pastor J.D. has created these Mideast Bible Prophecy Updates. The Mideast Bible Prophecy Update is a focused look at current events through the lens of prophecy. The Bible has given us clear indicators of what's to come, and we can see many of these events happening all around the world today. Join us each week for an in-depth look at what the Bible has to say about current events on these Mideast Bible Prophecy Updates. The latest updates are available on the In Spirit and Truth YouTube channel, and you'll find a link to our page by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can also access these teachings through our mobile app for Apple and Android devices. Just search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store, or follow the links provided at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. With this app, you can take the Mideast Bible Prophecy Updates with you wherever you go, as well as give you access to many other teachings Pastor J.D. has shared from the pages of Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you'll join us again right here on In Spirit and Truth.